the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have an enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Praise the Lord. Serious students don't miss class for anything. And we are glad that God gave us the privilege and the opportunity to be in his presence. There are habits that every Christian who is growing never gives up on. Turn to your neighbor and say, the habits every growing Christian never gives up on. Yeah, when you see that in your work with God as a Christian, you begin to give up on certain habits. It's a sign that you are backsliding. I said, it's a sign that what? Yeah, it's a sign that you are backsliding. It's a sign that you are backsliding. It's a sign that you are The habit of reading the word of God, the habit of hearing the word of God, the habit of fellowship with the saints. The habit of fellowship with the saints is not something you can take for granted. In fact, the Bible talks about it expressly in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 26. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 26. Let's consider one another. Say to stir. To stir up love and good works. There are things we do to stir up things. Somebody say stir. Stir. Uh-huh. You, you have to be stirred up every now and then. You have to stir yourself up. You must personally stir yourself up. And when you are not able to stir yourself up, God has put other avenues in place for you to be stirred up. Stirred up. Because the Christian work is such that you need endurance to go through it. It's not a sprint race. Somebody say the Christian life is not a sprint race. It's a marathon. Say it's a marathon. When you are going for a sprint race, what you need is speed. When you are going for a marathon race, what you need is stamina. Somebody say stamina. 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 So when people are going for a marathon, you see that they start slowly and they build it up. But when people are going to, uh, let's say, 100 meter dash or something, it's speed. Same boat to just rush and get to the tail end. But the Christian life is not a sprint race. It's a marathon race. That's what Jesus said. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of who for the job that was set before him endured the cross. Let us run. Wherefore, Hebrews chapter 12. Give me Hebrews chapter 12 before we come back to work with this. Hebrews 12 verse 1. He says that, Wherefore, seeing that we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside. Hebrews 12 1, please. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin we do so easily beset us. And let us run with patience. With patience. Modern translation says, with endurance. Let's run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That race he's talking about is what we call a marathon race. Somebody say marathon race. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 talks about faith. And it talks about all the ancient guys who have run their race already. 
So when he finished, he said, it's time for us to run our race. And our race, the focus is Christ. Somebody said the focus is Christ. Yeah, he talked about all the others who run the race in the Old Testament. You see that no New Testament person is mentioned there. All of the guys were Old Testament guys. Abraham, all of those guys. He said they finished their own. Now it's our time. Wherefore, I've told you that if you want to study the Bible and understand it, there are certain keywords. When you see it, you want to know what it means. Wherefore, therefore. Therefore means what is therefore. What is the thing that is, I'm going to say, what is it therefore? Let's go to Hebrews. Let me just help you. You see, you have to know that the Bible is one book. Somebody say it's a book. And it was not written in chapters. Chapters were added by human wisdom so you can appreciate it. It's one book. Start from Hebrews chapter 11 verse 36 downwards as we run it up. Still, others are trials who are mockings and scourges, yea, and of chains and of imprisonment. 37. They were sown into two, were tempted, were slain. Hey, were tempted. Those are the things we are talking about, you know. We're slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted and tormented. Verse 38. Of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. He says, and all these, having obtained a good report or a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. He says, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be paid perfect apart from apart from which people are not going to be made perfect apart from us those he has talked about abraham isaac all of those guys were not going to be perfect apart from us that's why in the book of hebrews we are told that we belong to a better covenant established on better promises they cannot be complete without us the book cannot be closed without us are you not excited about that this is our season and it's a glorious season then he says, God having provided something better with us. Therefore, there's something better provided for us. Because there's something better provided for us, we therefore need to, we, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, which are the cloud of witness? Abraham is there, Jacob is there, all the other guys, they are a cloud of witness. You know, when you are running a marathon race in the stadium and your teammates are there in the schools, a World Cup is coming up and you see that when your supporters are in the stands cheering you up, it gives you a lot of energy. Praise the Lord. And that's what the Bible is saying. He said, well, for seeing that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, they are up there. Let us lay aside every weight. And the same we do so is the ensnessers. And let us run. Somebody say run. run. It's our season to run. You will run and win. You will run and get the harvest. Let us run with patience. The race set before us. And then our focus, looking unto Jesus. Not looking at anything material, not looking at earthly things. Looking unto Jesus. Let your focus be Christ. What's the focus for your Christian life? Is it a visa to travel abroad? Is it so you break through or you break down? Is it so you can marry? Is it so you can build a house? What is the focus of your life? Because your life must have a focus. And the focus of your life will determine how you will go. This afternoon, while I was preparing for next week's teaching, the Holy Spirit was just telling me about one vital key that delivers people from temptation. One vital key. He gave me a number of them. But one of them that is closely related is following God's will. Somebody say following God's will. A lot of people live lives and the will of God is not a priority in their lives at all. What they want is what they want. And they want it at any cost. The will of God is not in the equation. This is what I feel. This is what I want. This is what makes me. That's all. 
And there is no miserable way to live your life than to live your life in your own will, plans, and pursuits. Did you hear what I said? I said there is no miserable way to live your life than to follow your own passions and dreams. There's a bigger dream and a better dream. And I see you living God's dream for your life. I said I see you living God's dream for your life. So he says that let's look unto him. Let's make him our focus. Our focus. You can't look at Christ and faint in your walk. Are you with me here? You can't look at Christ. Christ cannot be your focus and you faint in your walk with God. No. But most of us, our focus is not right. Somebody comes to God and his focus is to get a visa. So he tries it. The next time God should give me a visa to travel abroad, he tries it five times. This Christianity is not working. You are not a serious person. Because Christianity is not to get a visa to travel abroad. Christianity is to come to a place where Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering be made partaker in his suffering. That's what I want to know. He was an accomplished person, but he had discovered something that was far greater and bigger. May you discover something greater and bigger. Shout a better amen. amen. How did I end up here? I was talking about Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 to 25. Somebody say, I'm not lost in my mind. <laughs> you can easily think that, oh, pastor is off. I'm not off. He said, let's consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That's why we come to one of the reasons. Then he says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Somebody say, assembling of ourselves together. It's great to watch online, but that is only when you are constrained by sickness. That's why you watch online. You are constrained by certain limitation. Online service is not God's ultimate and perfect will. And I will keep on shouting it until everybody understands that. Lazy Christians would stay at home to watch service online when they have the liberty and they are free and they can walk into the presence of God in fellowship with the saints. He said, let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Now look at verse 26. He says, for if we sin, we're free. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth. When you stay out of fellowship, sin becomes a natural cause of your life. You just enjoy it. It becomes an environment where you thrive in. That shall not be your testimony. I said that shall not be your testimony. You know, my greatest passion for this church and for every member in this assembly is to grow. Because when you grow, you see, most of the time we worry ourselves about many things. When you grow up, you begin to realize that this was not necessary. This was not necessary. This is not important. That's why when people grow up, the older people become, the less precise their priorities become. As people age, they begin to see things that are of importance. They begin to see things of great value. Haven't you seen that even you yourself, about 10 years ago, some of the things you wanted, now you look at yourself and laugh. So was it me desiring those foolish stuff? The things you felt were great. Look at that nasty guy. Secondary school that you said was your crush. Look at him. Now, with your value shaped by the word of God, look at him. The kind of person you said you wanted as a husband. That's the kind of person you said you wanted as a wife. Look at him. Praise the Lord. See that your values are changing. I see you change from glory to glory. Well, tonight we want to continue our teaching service. So, we are looking at overcoming giants. Somebody say overcoming giants. Say overcoming giants. You have to understand that being born again is being born as an overcomer. Somebody say, being born again, being born again. is being born an overcomer. Being born an overcomer. You see, 
failure and defeat is not the language of the new creation. Did you hear what I said? I said failure and what? It's not the language of the new creation. You don't know failure. It was said that we said there's no failure in God. There's no failure in God. Because in God, everything works together for your good. Am I communicating here? Yeah, so you have to understand that when you are born again, you are not the type who flees. You know, when Goliath came against the nation of Israel, everybody fled. But there was one man who was conscious of covenant. He was conscious that he was of the circumcision. That's what David said. He said, we are, and Paul said, we are of not the circumcision, which is of the flesh, but we are of the circumcision of the spirit. Now, let's go to somewhere, first Samuel chapter 17 and see something there. When Samuel came on the scene, he spoke differently. When Goliath appeared, everybody fled. Give me first Samuel chapter 17, verse 23, there about or so. And as he talked with them, the champion, the Philistine of God, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistine and spoke the same words before. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, all the men of Israel, they did what? When they saw the man, they fled from him and were much afraid. Oh, may that not be your testimony. There are things you are running away from. You will go and confront them. And you will defeat them in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, I'm confronting my enemies. I'm overcoming my enemies. I'm subduing my giants. And by the way, those enemies I'm talking about, your mother is not part, your sister is not part, your boss is not part. We are dealing with spiritual entities. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. This is not a church that believes in that by fire. We don't believe in that. It's not Christian. It makes us more like traditional people and uh, I don't want to mention some names on my altar, but all the men of Israel, the sad thing is that they saw him and they fled. Goliath was a giant. And everybody fled. The sad thing is that everybody who fled could have brought Goliath down easily. Everybody, every one of them had the potential to bring Goliath down. They were all fleeing. Is it not sad to hear that people are running away from things they have capacity to conquer? Running away from things they have capacity to conquer. Running away from marriage, you have capacity to conquer. Running away from a husband, you have capacity to live peaceably with if you only learn to allow the fruit of the spirit to have expression in you. Running away from business that has capacity to grow, to become a global business. Running away. Running away from a a course that if you persisted, you can overcome. May you go back and face your giants. Some of you, that giant you are talking about, it's Mato. Mato or one English course that you failed. And he's been there on the shelf. He's been on the shelf. And that alone is setting you back. But in the name of Jesus, I release grace for overcoming. I receive release grace upon you. Go back and overcome it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Our dreams God gave you, you are giving up on them because of the giants around. Everybody who saw the man fled, why did they flee? They all fled because they were very much afraid. But one man came and he was conscious of something. Mm-hmm. One man. That's why knowledge is so powerful. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. There are many things your pastor can give you. He can pray for you. He can give you counsel. But the greatest thing you must always desire and hunger for from your pastor 
is to feed you with the knowledge of the word of God. Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 15, I will give you shepherds after my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And he said, it will come to pass when you are multiplied. Everybody increases with knowledge. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through knowledge. Grace and peace be multiplied. I see you multiplied. I said, I see you multiplied. Take me back to the first Samuel thing. Everybody fled, but David came with a different attitude. And that is the kind of spirit I want you to catch through this series. You know, when a teaching is done, one of our members is in Canada now, and he's part of our virtual church in Canada. And he started a business out of one series I did, becoming a ruler over many things. And that business is growing. Yesterday, they brought me a, a, a cake from that business. And that cake is wild. I told them that they should arrange and get them to give us cake for the milestone birthday. I don't think I've eaten the type of cake that is said nice like that. Every time the word of God is taught, a spirit is imparted. He said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Spirit and they are life. Have you seen this man? Surely he has come up to defy Israel and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Verse 26. And David said to the man who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Look at the language for who is this what? Uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of Israel. Listen. That's not the focus of my teaching tonight. I would have walked you all the way back to Genesis where this principle of circumcision started. And you will see how David, what David invoked. The moment David talked about circumcision, he was simply calling on the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, and the God of Isaac. And once that name came on, that's a covenant act. So once that was provoked, God, heaven was released. Everything that heaven had had to be released to back David to defeat Goliath. You cannot invoke the principle of circumcision and be defeated in life. The same way the Bible said, if the blood of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of an hypha sprinkling upon the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ? Now, if the blood of an animal shed could empower a man who was not known as a warrior, had never fought before, to become a defeat, a man who had fought all his life, a giant, the whole army of a nation could not defeat. By the blood, oh, the Bible says, and they overcame him. By the blood of a lamb, and by the word of their testimony. And I see you overcome in the name of Jesus. You are overcoming whatever overcame you before. Whatever threatened your destiny before, you are overcoming it. Shout, I believe it. I manifest, it. I manifest it. David said, what has happened? Who is this uncircumcised Palestine? That he should defy the armies of. That's all. It changed everything. Philippians chapter 3 verse 3. Philippians 3 3. We are a superior circumcision. Somebody say we are a superior circumcision. We have a superior circumcision. Philippians 3 3. He said, For we are the circumcision. Somebody say, We are the circumcision. You know what David told him? He said, This is not circumcised, but we are of the circumcision. When we come into the New Testament, he said, We are the circumcision. We are not going to be circumcised. We are the circumcision, which worship God by the Spirit and glory in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. I feel like preaching tonight. He said, I have no confidence in the flesh. Because everybody who had confidence in the flesh when they were dealing with Goliath failed. Everybody who had confidence in the flesh failed. 
Saul was a warrior. And when the people put their faith in him, they failed. The whole army of Israel, they failed. But the man came with a sling and a stone. Because his confidence was not in the sling, his confidence was not in the stone. He said, I come against you not in my might. I come against you in the name of the Lord. And the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run it into it and they are saved. That's what happened. When David stood there, the angel of God came, directed the stone right where it matters most. And the man was brought down. Listen, if you war in your flesh, you will fail. I always pity Christians who think that they can win the war against life in the flesh. No, nobody wins the war against life in the flesh. You can only win by the spirit. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. There are things beyond natural. There are things beyond nature. There are things beyond school. There are things beyond intelligence. There are things beyond reasoning. So if the greatest power you have is your reasoning abilities or your intellectual prowess, I pity you because there are things that would defy intelligence, they would defy logic, they would defy medicine. And the only thing that can bring an intervention is the supernatural power of God. And I pray tonight that your faith will come alive. In the mighty name of Jesus, may you take your confidence from anything that is fleshly. And may you put your confidence in God and God alone. Can somebody shout, I believe it. Alright, so we are looking at overcoming giant temptation. Somebody say overcoming giant temptation. And I, I said all of that to introduce and establish the fact that you are born to be an overcomer. You are not one who runs away. That, that's not where we belong. <laughs> Alright, so we said there are many things we overcome and we started with one of them we must overcome is temptation. Somebody say temptation. You see, the Christian is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in the body. Now, the part of our souls and our body helps us to interact with the earth. Now, there is no way God can function on this side of heaven without a human being. Satan can also not function on the earth without a human being. That's why before Satan can work, he must Come and possess a person. And when the Holy Spirit also comes, he lives in a person. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, because God is a spirit and this place is for human beings. When God made the earth, he has no place here. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, I think Psalm 115, verse 16, the Bible said, the heavens and heavens are the laws, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. He's given to the sons of men. So God has given it to us. The heavens are the laws, but the earth he has given to the children of men. So if you are not a child of a man, you don't have a place here. That's why the late uh, Methodist uh, founder and preacher, Charles Wesley, he said, it's almost as if God will do nothing except in response to prayer. And that is also why a believer who is not praying does not, is one who is not allowing God to use him to influence his purposes on the earth. That's why we pray. One of the main reasons why we pray is not because God cannot act. God can act, but he has chosen not to operate on the earth without a human vessel. He must. He breaks his own law when he operates on the earth without a human vessel. That's why you matter to God. Somebody say, I matter to God. Yeah, you are so important to God. In the scheme of things, you are. Man is God's priceless asset on the earth. That's why when Satan came, he did not go and tempt a lion. He didn't tempt a dove. He didn't tempt a snake. He tempted man. 
because he knew that if he could destroy God's project, everything would be messed up. But I came to announce to you, Satan has already been defeated. He wanted to spoil God's project. You are God's project. We are his handiwork created unto good works. And Satan wanted to damage you, but I tell him it's too late. God has a back plan. He has a plan B. Satan didn't know God had a plan B. He didn't know. Jesus had been slain before the foundations of the world. Before your project started, God has a plan B. There are people who have made themselves your last resort. They are deceived. If they decide to step out, God will raise many people to help you. Can somebody shout an amen? Amen. That's why your faith must be directed at the right place. When we started this church fresh, if I had looked at man, we would not be here today. People walked in and gave all manner of crazy promises. But my life is that when you promise, I begin to distance myself. Yeah, because I want to be careful that I don't have my faith placed in you. Because what you have promised me, God can use a thousand other people to do it. While you are waiting on whatever you want to do, God can use somebody else to do it. Have you seen that in the natural? When people promise you, you can call them and call them and call them and follow up. Yeah, that's what you do. God has given you great and mighty promises. Why are you not calling him in prayer about it? Why are you not calling him in prayer? The same way this man who said he was going to help you get this contract. You've been calling him day and night. Calling him and sending WhatsApp and sending text messages. The same aggression. Why don't you direct it to God? They look unto him and were enlightened. And their faces were not ashamed. May the Lord give you wisdom. I said may the Lord give you wisdom. Alright, so we've been looking at temptation. Somebody say temptation. Temptation. I establish the fact that victory over sin begins with mastery over temptation. Somebody say victory over sin sin. begins with mastery over temptation. temptation. There is no believer who doesn't want to live in victory over sin. There's no believer. It's not normal to find a Christian who wants to sin and who is happy sinning. No, 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 no. no. When you are born of God, the seed of God is in you. The seed of God is in you. The Bible says, he that is born of God has the seed of God in him and he cannot sin because he cannot, he cannot because the seed of God is in him. So, when he sin, if you are genuine, you are really saved. Every time you sin, you see that you are disturbed, you are not comfortable in your spirit. That is a sign of life. Somebody said the sign of life. You know, Sunday we're, we're talking about the fact that unbelievers are dead. How many of you remember that? They are dead. There's no life in them. That's why they can drink and drink and they feel nothing. They can steal and see, they feel nothing. Whatever they do, they feel nothing. But you, the moment you go that way, even when somebody has a certain head shape and you even say it, immediately the Holy Spirit gives you a check. It's a sign that you are alive. It's a sign that you are alive. But the time you can sin cheerfully and happily, oh, there's no life there. <laughs> there's no life there. When there is life, it's a sign that you are alive. It's a sign that God is calling you. It's a sign that he's reaching out for you. The reason why you are not satisfied with a particular sin and you are trusting God for a way to come out, that is the first thing you must even thank God for. That you you have a desire to come against that thing. Because that is the first proof that you are alive. Alright, so we said victory. Someone said victory over sin. Begins with mastery. Over temptation. Okay, so until we master temptation, our war against sin will never be won. Because that's where it starts from. The Bible says, let no man say, I am tempted. James, let's go to James. James chapter 1, verse 12. He said, blessed is a man 
who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, that word is very important, when he has been what? Approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. When he is approved. So when you are tempted, it's an opportunity to God to approve that you are his child. You are his child. Satan is trying to disprove the fact that you are a child of God. But when temptation comes and you say no, God looks at him and says, Satan, I told you he carries my seed. Praise the Lord. You are approved. Go to verse 13. He says, but let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. Not does he himself tempt anyone. But each one. Somebody say each one. one. Say each one. one. Say each one. one. Is what? Tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Somebody say drawn. 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 Yeah, drawn. Gradually you are drawn. There are certain things you see and they draw you. Certain pornographic sites you go, they draw you. They plant certain seeds in you. They draw you gradually, 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 gradually. Certain company you keep, they draw you. Certain relationships, some friends, they draw you. Certain conversations you gain, they draw you gradually. They are your desire. They draw you into a place you don't want to go. By the time you realize you have gotten to the place and you can't come out, that shall not be your testimony. So, we shared, first of all, some truth about temptation, about 13 of them. I don't have the benefit of time to run you through them. But we said that no believer is exempted from temptation. Somebody say, no believer is exempted from temptation. Then we said temptation is not a sin. Somebody say, temptation is not a sin. Yeah, when you are tempted, it doesn't mean you have sinned. It's okay to be tempted. In fact, the reason why you are tempted is because there is some good virtue in you. And Satan is looking to corrupt it. That's why you are tempted. Because some people, what you call temptation is their natural habitat. It's their lifestyle. <laughs> it's their lifestyle. <laughs> oh, when I went to the party last Sunday, Charlie, and I saw the shield whiskey in the bottle and the bubbles on the tin. Charlie, I was really, really tempted. It's fine. As far as you didn't drink it, you are fine. <laughs> it's normal to be tempted. When you were in town about two weeks ago and you met your old, old flames. And you were trying to swerve. And you don't know why it happened. And you happened to have collided at poker trading. Charlie, it was a very wild temptation. As long as you did not go and visit her afterwards. It's fine. So temptation is not a sin. Then we said temptations do not come from God. We said no believer has immunity against falling into temptation. Somebody said, I don't have immunity. Yeah, we all have to understand this. You see, it's humbling to know that you don't have immunity against temptation. When you understand this, it helps you. May I tell people that I don't have immunity against some things. And so I prepare myself in advance. It's great to know God. After knowing God, the next person you must know is yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you have to know God. And if you want to succeed in life, know yourself. So, say, I don't have immunity. immunity. Yeah. You don't have immunity against falling into temptation. And then, of course, every temptation is common. Somebody say, every temptation is common. Then we say, temptations come principally from the devil. Some say, temptations Temptations. come principally from the devil. Number seven, we said, the temptations you face are customized for you. Somebody say, customized. You know what a customized thing is? It means it fits you perfectly. 
Most of Ghanaian fashion designers, when they sew the thing for you, you have to go and adjust it again. They are not excellent yet. I know of a gentleman in Nigeria. They just showed him my picture like this. And he sewed dresses for me. And when they brought it, I wore it everywhere I went. People say, ah, Charlie, this thing is a very... Where did you get it from? I say, from Nigeria. When did you go to Nigeria? I say, the guy sewed it. He's mastered his craft. Customize everything. So your temptations are customized to you. There are things that will tempt Pastor James. They will never tempt him. Are you with me? There are things that will tempt uh, Pastor Victor. They will never, never, never be a trouble to you, Dr. Ima. In fact, sometimes when you hear that he's struggling with that thing, please take your seat. Somebody said, I'm struggling with beer. You can't understand it. The last time you tasted it, it was so bitter. You can't imagine how somebody would drink that and he wants more of that. How many of you have been there before? You see, <laughs> you are talking about something you don't understand. <laughs> yeah? That's it. It's customized to you. It's customized to you. Now, some of you, when a lady passes, no matter where she's wearing, whether she's dressed in full deeper life suit, <laughs> or she's uh, in hijab like an Iranian woman, you will still not be fine. That's your own challenge. Customize. Somebody say customize. All right. And then we say no temptation comes your way without prior approval from God. Somebody say no temptation. Comes my way without prior approval from God. In other words, every temptation that comes your way comes with God's permission. Yeah. Because he knows that you can do it. He knows you are able to overcome it. So when you fall into temptation, God is actually surprised at you. He's not, <laughs> he's surprised at you. He's surprised at you. He's, he's like, ah, <laughs> you have to understand that. You have the capacity to say no. All right. Then we said that for every temptation that comes your way, there's a way of escape. Somebody said there's a way of escape. Are you not glad about the fact that there's a way of escape? There is a way of escape out of the Guinness bottle. Okay. There's a way of escape. <laughs> There's a way of escape. 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 And then we say falling into temptation is a choice. It's not a chance. It's what? It's a choice. You did it because you wanted to do it. You see, what I mean to establish with this particular point is to bring it to a place where you never say the devil made me do it because he didn't make you do it. Turn to anybody and say, the devil cannot make you do what you don't want to do. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now listen, listen. You see, the reason why the devil cannot make you do what you don't want to do is that the devil is not in control of your life. For the saved soul, Last Sunday, we established that those who are not born again, they are controlled by the prince, the spirit of disobedience that works in them. That's, they are controlled by demonic forces. So they are driven to do those things. But those of us who are born again, the spirit of God lives in us. And he helps us to do the right thing. So when you fall into temptation, it's a choice. You took the weed because you wanted to smoke it. It's not because that your friends put pressure. No, 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 please don't go there. Don't go there. 
With all due respect, your friends cannot put pressure for you to begin to eat your poo poo. Why can't they put pressure on you for you to eat poo poo? Am I complicating it? Pressure! Eat it! You can't imagine that. So why are you not going to blame the devil that he put pressure on you or your friends put pressure on you? You did it because you wanted to do it. Then we said that falling into temptation is not the end of your spiritual journey with God. There's a message of hope. Yeah, when you fall into temptation, it doesn't mean it's over with you. You can rise again. Praise God. You can rise again. And so if you are falling, please rise. Yeah, don't be shouting amen, amen, and still be lying there. Rise. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, rise. Rise. <laughs> Some people are too comfortable lying where they are lying. <laughs> they are sleeping and snoring at the place. They should not be lying. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's dangerous to lie where you are not supposed to lie. Yeah. And if you doubt what I'm saying, next time when you meet something, ask him how he lost his head. He put it where it was not supposed to be. Number 13, we said, God rewards those who overcome temptation. You will overcome your temptations. And then I think about two weeks ago, we started looking at the origin of temptation. Somebody say the origin of temptation. The origin of temptation. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Then was Jesus led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Tempted of who? Say, tempted of the devil. Jesus was led in the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted in 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungry. And when, look at that, when what? The tempter came to him. He said, if thou be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. So here we establish that there's a tempter. Somebody say there's a tempter. Yeah, there's a tempter. And his name is clearly identified. He's the devil. Okay, Satan is the tempter. He tempted Adam and Eve in the garden and he tempted Christ in the wilderness. So Satan tempts people. Tempts people. He tempts people. But he tempts you from you. The temptation begins from within you. It's not from outside you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Mark, it says, out of a man comes. What comes out of a man defies him, not what enters him. The temptations we face, they come out from us. Satan knows that you like uh, beer, and so he will use it. If you decide to watch a movie, you will see drink cups in the scenes. You will make sure that, that you see a lot of them. And you'll be licking your tongue while you are before your screen. So temptations come principally from the devil, but they come through our own desires. Let's look at James chapter 1, verse 14 to 15. James chapter 1, verse 14 to 15. But every man is tempted. Somebody say, every man is tempted? tempted. When is a man tempted? When he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Somebody say, my own lust. You know, lust is selfish. The opposite of lust is love. Love is selfless. Lust is using your desires to uh, satisfy a selfish end. All right? Love is using your desire to meet a selfless need. That's the difference. So, he said, you are drawn away by your own lust and you are enticed. Your own lust. Your own lust is different from my lust. Your own desires. That's how temptations come. Satan uses it as a bait. Now, look at this. I go to the uh, riverside to catch fish. All right? So, Principally, I am the tempter. Am I not the tempter? But I have a bait. What is my bait? Whatever I will put on the hook becomes my bait. Now, Satan is a tempter. 
But the bait he uses is your desire. He is your desires. That's why you need to manage your desires very carefully. Desire for fame, desire for money, desire for sex. All of those things. Manage it very carefully. Manage it. Manage it carefully. Manage it carefully. And everything godly, everything Christian is designed to help you. You know, the Bible says, for the flesh lasted against the spirit and the spirit lasted against the flesh. The desires of the flesh and the desires of the spirit are at war. When you get born again. When you are not born again, your desires are okay. They flow with you because that's your natural environment. But the moment you get born again, your desires now begin to conflict with the desires of the spirit. The Holy Ghost wants you to be more patient. Your flesh wants to be more vindictive. The Holy Ghost wants you to be more uh, gentle in your use of language. The devil wants you to be sarcastic because that's your choleric self. Am I communicating here? Now that's it. Your desires. Those things. Satan is as a bait. He uses your desires to draw you. And I talked about seven things and situations the tempter uses. Somebody say seven things. Seven things. And situations. The devil uses to tempt us. Number one, I talked about evil desires or lust for evil things. Somebody say evil desires. Evil desires. Yeah, evil desires, evil desires, evil desires. Desire that is directed towards a wrong end is an evil desire. Desire in itself is not wrong. When it's directed towards the wrong thing, with the wrong motive, it becomes wrong. Desire for sex is legitimate. If you are married and you are desiring your wife, desiring your husband, is okay. Yeah. But when you are not married and you are desiring a woman and you are trying to scheme up every strategy to floor her, as they say, Something is wrong with your head. Desire for money is good. Are you with me here? Desire for money is good. What do you want the money for? To build a great mansion to know that you have the biggest house or to advance the cause of Christ. The motive decides the difference. Are you with me here? Yeah, the desire for money. And sometimes the means. I want to be a millionaire by all means. So rather than pay people well, you want to pay them peanuts and when they, they say you threaten them. Now, there are no jobs in Ghana. If you joke, I will sack you. No, no, you see, <laughs> you, <laughs> you have an attitude. By all means, that's wrong. And then we talked about sexual desires. That's also another place we are tempted. Then we talked about the things of the world. Somebody say the things of the world. Say the things of the world. Then we talked about the love of money and riches. I think I talked about it. Did I get there? I got to the love of money and riches. And then we talked about weakness of faith. That one, we didn't talk about it. And I'm not too sure we can talk about it because our time is up. Have you been blessed tonight? If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you join us again and again. We are blessed.
Pasta Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages by Pasta Afuakwa, subscribe to Osayao Afuakwa Audio Podcast via Podcast Addict or Google Podcasts from the Play Store or Podcasts from the Apple Store. Get interactive with Pasta Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakoma Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasi Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel Facebook or YouTube pages. Alternatively, fellowship with any of our branches near you. Embassy of Life Chapel, Kwamo, IPT, Pechi, or Adenta Accra. God richly bless you.